make it visible who we are, who we exist, who we matter. It is we're worth saving. You know, I didn't have to break a record to raise that awareness, but if I, I would do it again if that's what it takes. Your motto, I read, is absolutely incredible to me. You are not your circumstances. Exactly. Your current situation is where you are, not who you yes. are. It yes. might be a long journey, but if you keep persistent, you will get to the place you deserve to be. That's true. That's yeah. true. I'm not, yeah, I always tell people how, because people are like, how did you do it? It's like, I am not human trafficking. It's what happened to me. An incredible story of this young woman who grew up in Mexico, violence all around her from the cartels, sexual abuse, human trafficking, uh, thought she was going to die on, on more than one occasion. Her life is, the journey she went through was truly, truly amazing. It all changed friends on March 1st, 2014. Norma embarked on a record-breaking journey to fight human trafficking. Her goal was to swim. 122 miles, to bike 2,932 miles, and to run 735 miles. More than 3,600 miles in 65 days across Mexico and the United States. The story today of Norma Pastistas you will not believe. When to break through the boundaries of average, to question the unquestionable is the sign of greatness. It's those moments when you get to the absurd stage that things truly get interesting. Now the world is in need of a new generation of leaders, leaders who have the courage to break through the boundaries and question everything around them. Well, society is yearning for bold and enthusiastic women and men to provide the necessary leadership that will be required for the next leap forward. The journey to get to the brink can be unpredictable, but knowing you're at the brink, pure genius, my friends. Today, we are on the brink of greatness. We are so honored to bring to you the story of Norma Bastistas. Hi. With all the trauma that you've been through, you, you have an incredible story that I want people to know about. I want you to bring us to that pivotal moment. It's what I call the point of impact. And it's the point where it was the worst possible moment for you, where you don't mm. think it can get any worse. Can you bring us please right to that moment and tell us what was happening, what was going on? I've been there so many times. It's, you know, when you're born in a, in a, in a cycle of violence, you know, every step of the way and, you know, it feels like you can you know, you cannot possibly, cannot possibly get worse. And, and it does. It always does until, you know, something it's done. And unfortunately, you know, for a lot of people, uh, especially if it starts at a young age, it, it just doesn't. So I think on many times I, I really had the moment, I had a moment when I found myself, you know, escaping one type of violence, like I said, from, you know, leaving the, the home of in, my, in, in Culiacan with the cartels and, you know, abused it in, by somebody close to, to me and, you know, going to Mexico City and being kidnapped and abducted and almost murdered and managing to escape. Uh, you know, I was there visiting my brother and trying to, you know, supposedly, you know, over the, the violence and the cartels. And, and at that moment, I was just, you know, trying to, like, how can it get worse? You know, because I 
thought the problem was home. I thought the problem was Sinaloa. I thought the problem was Mexico. And then, you know, after escaping and accepting a job offer to go to Japan to model and to be an actress to find myself in a human trafficking ring, you know, that moment too, I just... I think there was, you know, there were so many. When you mentioned murder, that you were worried about being murdered, was that associated with the human trafficking or was that a different different moment? There were two moments, the one in Mexico City being abducted. So, Norma, you're in Mexico City. You're, you're How old are you there when this happens? Um, I am 18 Eight? in Mexico City. And that's when, so you were abducted. So what happened? Bring us right there at that moment. I was there taking, um, I was taking a fitness course um, and um, I was uh, getting certified to be an aerobics instructor. I was the, uh, my father had died, so I was the highest earner uh, at 18 in the family. My dad, my mom couldn't work, so I was the one paying the bills. I was working at, at a gym and I went there to get a certification and um, my brother lived in Mexico City and on the way home, taking the bus I got out of the bus and um to you know to go to my brother's apartment that's when two men came in mid-20s I was 18 and um, they just simply grabbed me by the arm and threw me in a car and just with intentions to disappear me so they, I they threw speaking. you in a car was you walking on the sidewalk yeah just yeah. just very but that's the thing I mean I was you know because of all my you know being in Mexico and, and I have to be very honest, you don't know who to trust, the police. I mean, sometimes, I mean, this is not the first time I've been, you know, in, in Sinaloa, the, the the police very often pick you up. And I mean, it's not the first time I've been raped, unfortunately, not by strangers. I mean, the federalists usually is the cartels of federalists will pick you up on the way from school. And, you know, and, and I mean, this is this is a common. It's a, it's a way of life. No, well, what you're saying is it's a way of life. So you're, you're 18 years old. Now, be, yes. it, let me pause there a moment. At 18 years old, Norma, you, they threw you in the car there. But before that, I, I want listeners to understand, as an 18-year-old yes. young woman, you're at this yes. moment now where you've been abducted. But prior to that, growing up in Mexico, the sexual abuse as a child, how often did that happen? How bad was it? Can you Ooh. give us an idea of what that means, please, as a child growing up there? The first time I was raped, I was 11 years old, and it was by a family member. My dad just died, and I was a, uh, it was a family member. It was a family member. It was not known, but it was, it was like it was known, not by my mom, not by my siblings, but in within that, you know, my grandparents' home. Okay. And it was simply just... You know, it was simply just rub under the, the you know, the the rug. And it's like, okay, just, just make sure that, you know, you're not around him too much. So that was a, it's, it's a common thing. Um, I was going to say, know, do a lot of young women yeah. know that in Mexico, that they are primed for that, that that can happen? Yes. Yeah, there is definitely, I mean, we don't talk about a lot of, uh, about abuse that happens in the home. It is kind of, you know, it is shameful. Between yeah. 11 and 18, how many times oh, was you sexually abused? I cannot tell you. And honestly, I, I mean, even with therapy, it's my therapist. And, and I'm like, I don't care. There's a lot of holes because it, it's impossible for the brain to, to absorb. And it's just one of those things that I don't think that it benefits me or anybody. It just... But, but, but for listeners to person. understand, though, right. this happened a, a lot. 
A lot, yeah, a lot. A lot. Like it would be like I said in Sinaloa. I mean, it would be the either the cartels, okay, uh, the cartels, or or picking you up on the way from home. Um, uh, you know, it, it would be classmates, classmates at parties that you know we would go there from high school, and it's a normal occurrence of putting something in your beat, like on your drink. It was something that right, right. once you become a certain like I was, I was from a, you know a home, a broken home with with no father. I was poor. And, you know, like, um, but, you know, my, my siblings worked very hard to send us to a, a good school. But that also made us vulnerable to the fact that, you know, the boys thought they wouldn't dare, uh, you know, do anything like that to girls. For, they were from better families because of the consequences. But there was never consequences for somebody. It was my word against theirs. Now, so, a lot of the, yeah. uh, uh, so the as a young girl, as a young woman, and I'm thinking of all the young people out there, Norma, that we, we know, you know, we understand the reality of this. How does a young girl face this kind of a thing? Do you, if you remember, how did you, how did you get through it? I mean, that first 18 years of your life up to that point of the objection, how did you get through that? Well, I mean, I, I didn't do, I didn't do it well. I mean, this is not something that, I mean, it's so much put into victims to try to overcome it but the the wonderful thing is my mom and my siblings were very close like we were so close and my home was a safe home in terms of my mom never you know never blamed me for things she you know she tried to do the best it wasn't something that I came home and told about it and they didn't believe me or they treated me any different it was more like and, and, and that was kind of the reason why they sent me to Mexico City thinking okay you know let's get you out of here because it's impossible for a girl to, I mean, the only, the only thing, the, one of the options are to marry you young. And that's not something I wanted. You know, a lot of people criticize my mom for not, mar- not marrying me right. at 17 or 18. But she was married off at 16 and she didn't want that life for me, yeah. right? She didn't have the best life. So those were the things. And, and it was kind of accepted and it kind of in my head. Right. Okay. You survive it thinking... Okay, I made the choice of that I wanted to have education, a career, and these other consequences. And you move forward, right. understanding that as best as it is, do I still want an education? Yes, and that's why. I and and I would and I would ask you as well. My guess is, uh, answer me this if you will. It's not just young girls there that have trouble, but young boys are uh, uh, victims Absolutely. as well, aren't they? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and it is more shameful for boys to talk about it. But yeah. but, but children as a whole are are a threat, and yes. that's right. All yes. right, and and it yes. becomes a way of life, and that still happens in a lot of this area, doesn't? Yes, yes. Yes. I mean, it's still, I mean, it's all over the world. Children are very vulnerable. Very vulnerable. And, you know, so we need to really take it, you know, take it seriously and uh, and, and not treat it as something that is a family thing and nobody's business. I understand, is. which is what yeah. we're doing here today. Now, right. I, all right, so we understand now the childhood. We bring it through all of there. Your father dies. You, you go through these episodes. You're now 18 years old. You're in the sidewalk. You're in Mexico City where they thought mm-hmm. you might be safer. You're abducted now. You're put into a car. What happens next? They uh, took me to, um, you know, they drove me to the outskirts, um, beat me up. Mm-hmm. And they locked me into a house, took raping me. Um, you know, I really don't know what the intention. I don't know if it was just, uh, you know, back then there was, you know, I didn't understand human trafficking. I understood abduction. It could have been just to, you know, exploitation or abuse. Maybe it was with intentions of, you know, of certainly that was happening back then of selling me to a, you know, to a prostitution ring or anything like that. 
fortunately for me, um, I managed, somebody came into the house that had nothing. I mean, it was related to one of the person that had, had me there, but was not involved in what was going on. And that person came in and saw me and, and helped me to, to escape. And it was one of those moments that when, when somebody, because you have to understand that this happened in front of a lot of people. Nobody wanted to get involved. I cannot fault because it is dangerous. But I mean, this is happening in front of a lot of people. So people are seeing this happen yes, and, and they just Nobody. ignore it, you're saying? Absolutely, because it's dangerous. And uh, these people are, you know, very powerful. But to have somebody who, you know, finds me beaten and he comes in and, you know, asks, you know, and sees me and, and, and asks me why I'm there. And then I tell him that, you know, what happened. And he just said, don't worry about it. I'll get you out of here. And he did. He, and I mean, I cry every time. The, the notion that somebody would do some, the right thing. And did you know this man who did me. that? Did yep. you know him? Yep. You didn't know him yep. at all. He was, he was, I believe he was a brother, one of the, the one of the men. And he came in because he was, it was and, okay. and they had money. It was a beautiful home. It was, okay. I, I, I can't tell you. All right. Where it was on the outskirts of Mexico, it was a few hours away. It was a big home, and they had me on the in one of the the guest houses on the back and in a room. And um, so they obviously had money, and um, he just came and you know I I you know terrified and and he just said don't worry about it. And I heard a lot of screaming and a lot of things breaking, and he just grabbed me and put me in a car and took me to a motel that night. Until because it was in I think three in the morning and he said I'll put you in a bus tomorrow and I was terrified because I was still thinking oh my God please you know like I, I hope this is true and and, and, and did just, he when you were in the hotel did he did he sexually abuse you no nothing no okay. he was generally he was generally and I mean he okay. was young I think he was there to study a college boy and he said I'm sorry for my what my what nationality was he by the way it was Mexican it was okay. still in Mexico and okay. he did and, and I had nothing because I had right. just come from the bus so he paid my bus fare oh I had my no idea where this I was. is this was an angel yeah. this was an angel yeah, it was he was he was generally and I mean he put me he gave he paid for my by my fare wow. he said you know bought my wow. ticket i said you'll be in mexico city and i do remember distinctively calling my brother when i arrived to that to mexico city and just calling him and you know he's trying to locate me and and i and you know so i'm like and he's like what are you and i, I was like i don't know really have nowhere to go and that's it's important because a lot of people say why did i take a job of somebody who i didn't really know and say go to Japan. Those things do weigh heavily when making those decisions, and that made me also, uh, 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 you know, vulnerable to people who are looking for vulnerable girls. So this opportunity I mean, comes along that yeah, is a job friends. opportunity yeah. that yes. takes you to into Japan. And how old are you now, please? I am nineteen. Nineteen years old. You got yes. out of that thing from that angel, and that the gentleman who did that back when you were eighteen, back in that cottage. Have you ever talked to him again, or seen or heard of him again? No, I I don't know who he was. I don't even know who I was. I mean, it's it's a population of twenty million, like Mexico. Well, I understand, 18s, but you didn't know yeah. him, and you've no, never been in contact no. with him again. I never, I never did. Like I never did. It was just, I, you know, I wish I could remember more. Well, but this man, he saved your life at that point. He did. He did. He absolutely did. Wow. He absolutely did. Incredible. Yeah. And I, I wish I knew, honestly. Um, uh, Yeah. No, I wish I knew. I remember his voice. I remember what he said to me. And I I remember, I mean, there's things that I, I have big things that I'm missing, but I do remember him sitting on a chair and me on the bed. 
you know, like I remember him just making sure that I knew that I was safe. That's all. And it was just, anyways. Yeah. Well, he was and clearly he was your angel. I mean, that's, there's was. no other way he to was. look at that program. Right. All right, so you get this opportunity that comes out of, I guess, nowhere to get to Japan to do this job, huh? Yes. Uh, and so yes. you, you accept it. You take it. Um, I mean, one thing that, you know, I, I mean, now that we're talking more details, I wasn't, you know, I actually begged them to take me. They were inviting my friends and I actually went to her house and I said, I heard, you know, I bet. And she was like, I don't know, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know you because obviously, you know, she didn't want to um, take just anybody. They needed to make sure that it was the right type of girl flew in. She said, I just need a bikini pictures of you and I'll send it to to my agent in Japan and see. And uh, within a few hours, she called me. She's like, they want you. And I was so happy. And I was terrified, but I was happy. So, and, Norma, uh, how did Japan go? How did that all go? Japan, it's it's probably one of the things that I have to, to I mean, I mean, talking about details is one of the hardest, the hardest things that I have because it has to do a lot with, it was, it was one of those things that I was there and it was, you know, at the beginning, it's, it's far away, the lack of language, but they did earn your trust. I remember them being incredibly nice, but it wasn't the same people. Like you were, I arrived and, and somebody else picked me up and then I went to an office and I met the person that had, um, you know, brought me there that, you know, had selected me in, and then they put me in a hotel. And then it was a few of us, the two girls ended up going somewhere else. He said, no, um, you know, you're, you know, I have plans for you. You're really beautiful. You're going to stay in Tokyo. They're going somewhere else. But I think you're Tokyo demographic. And, you know, and they did. They put me up in a beautiful apartment. And I was happy. He gave me cash. And, you know, he's like, somebody's going to pick you up. And they really treated me very well. I thought it was the opportunity that they taught. They, they told me it was. When did it, then, did it go bad? Know, what happened? Well, I did. Um, you know, it just simply that, you know, once um, he took me to a, a nightclub and, and, you know, I couldn't understand what they were saying. And he said, OK, you're going to be working at this club. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, this is your job. And these are, you know, you owe. I was an escort. I was at a nightclub. And then, you know, I just there was a lot of women. And you just kind of try to figure it out okay all right so norma so you yeah. go now from mexico city from from being abducted and being really a prisoner in your own life and now you're in japan and you're back to being a prisoner exactly it i mean yeah they have, it, there's nothing you can do i don't understand the language so you're still um, part of human yeah. you're still part of this human trafficking program I am because I have no passport, I have no money, and I have no way to go home. And then I've done, I've signed papers right. saying that that's what you know. So right. that's so, that's what him, that's what he, makes human, human trafficking. Because right. that's right. that everything else. That's mm -hmm. people always tell me. I'm like I've known exploitation all my life. Right. Different names come because of the Democrat. What makes it human trafficking is because. They lied to me about why I was there, and then they used, uh, you know, they. They forced me to do things that I didn't want to do, that I, that I had to go and sleep with clients um, because I owe money. 
that's what makes it human trafficking. As you follow the story, friends, and you see where Norma has gone along here, it gets to a point where she, I mean, the things that she's doing today to me are unbelievably amazing. I mean, she's an advocate and somebody very outspoken about human trafficking, but also that has taken into running. There was a brink moment for her where she got to this Mm -hmm. moment and she said, you know what, I'm going to take this on. And now she's such a strong voice out there. Uh, The story will continue. We'll be back for the more of the brink in just a moment here. Well, the Out Loud Perspective awaits you in life, love, politics, a healthy lifestyle, your faith, personal development, and living an out loud life on AmericaOutloud.com. Blitz your news and entertainment network where you can listen 24-7 on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. And now you're in Japan and you're now part of the problem or part of the system again and you're in another human trafficking ring. They say you owe them and so you're at the mercy of them and now they have you sleeping with clients and doing other things. And how do you get out of that now, Norma? How do you finally get out of that? Not easily, not easily. I mean, unless something, I mean, this is, this is, there's definitely different circumstances. We're talking about 86. So this is human trafficking wasn't really understood or known or it wasn't even a crime. That's right. Uh, Back then, all they knew was that I took a job and I had a debt and I had to pay it. That's it. So I could have gone to the, and I did go to the police at one point. Um, in Japan, but, uh, in Japan, in Japan. And yeah, how many for, years was you out there in Japan, roughly? I was there for six years. Six um, years. But it wasn't the entire time. Mm-hmm. I, I did remain because I managed to to get a hold of my passport. Mm-hmm. Um, after you know some time, I managed to get a hold of my passport. And one of the one of the schools said, when you get, if you're able to get a hold of your passport, because I had to leave the country and go to to, to uh, Korea to exchange visas because I had a visa as an entertainment exotic dancer which I wasn't I couldn't understand Japanese so when right. he said it's like that's your model and you're going to be a model so and then so <laughs> I went to the police and they're like well you're exotic dancer of course you are doing that so I had by law I, I didn't have anything so a school there was uh, there was a school close to the club and um you know, and I, like I said, they're, they're definitely, I could go out and, um, you know, during the day, but I had nowhere to go. And I talked to them and they, they, you know, and I started learning Japanese. I started, you know, going there for an hour. Um, and they helped me out. They said, if you get a hold of your passport, we can give you a student visa. And you can remain here legally. And that was the big thing. So it took me a long time to be able to earn the money, to be able to pay for the school. And it was things like, you know, they gave me things for food and saving and stuff. So it, I, I really cannot tell you whether it was, it was between nine and 13 months. And this is where now? Managed. This is where? This is in Tokyo. Okay, in Tokyo. Okay. This is in Tokyo. I, and it's not like that's okay. uh, There's no Liam Neeson on a movie taking, coming, kicking doors and rescuing. Uh, what a for movie a that was. That's it. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, yeah. uh, for a lot of people... Yeah. There's a difference between slavery and trafficking. Slavery, it is what you, you're in a basement and chains. Trafficking is when there's people there in a in, in situation they cannot escape, not easily. Mm-hmm. And so, that's what so, happened to me. Yeah, so, so how did you get back yeah. your passport? And I think you also said you had to pay off a debt. 
I mean, well, I did. I remain in, in you know, you, you keep being, because they had to give me my passport to go to, to Korea to come back. Exactly. Because I was an exotic dancer. Right. That's Every, how you got your passport back. Exactly. Was by, okay. And many times I came back because many times I went with a chaperone, like somebody else took me, but you just, you become incredibly, you become good at waiting for the opportunity because that's the only thing you have. Nobody's right. going to rescue you. you. And, and, yes. you, and you paid off your debt, too. And how much was that? Well, how long did I it take? I don't know. I, I'm, you know what? Those were the things that give me an incredible anxiety. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I don't know. And I really cannot tell you. And I'm not even sure. It's, it's, not, it's, not, really, it's not really I, a debt. It's a psychological it's not, debt. It's exactly. a psychological debt. But this yeah, is it's the no thing. Number. People, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't yeah. all like I escaped. Right. They tried to murder me after. Right. So that's the reason why I left Tokyo. I mean, you don't pay your debt. Right, exactly. I managed to... Yeah find a sanctuary by the, the school but they try to murder me two years later explain they that did. please they uh they pick they grab me on the streets and they end up beating me and i end up and almost lost my life i see the, I you see. don't leave the the mafia yeah it's the don't. mafia that's it's yeah. like the mafia right yeah. that's what's it's, a good it's example like, it is it is yeah yakuza it's like the yakuza is the japanese mafia you don't just i mean so when you said like how do you escape i barely and i didn't yeah. I ended up leaving Tokyo eventually because of that. I already spoke Japanese fluent. I was working as finally. I was translating movies. I had a life. Yeah. I had an apartment. I thought my life was fine. Uh, but it then, wasn't, you know, huh? It wasn't. It's mm -hmm. never. And then I went to the police. Uh, I had I had a couple of instances when they broke into my, my apartment and the police refused to help me because they were like, but well, you're a bar girl. I mean, you used to work at a bar. like, So they didn't do anything. And then, but, you know. I tried going home and it didn't work out because they already, you know, uh, they already told everybody, you know, the people that took me there that I had, that was a prostitute. So my mom is like, they're breaking the windows. You can't stay here because they don't, you know, my cop. Norma, so how did you, how did you finally get from Japan into Los Angeles? Because you now live in Los Angeles, correct? I went to Canada, actually. I met um, a Canadian and uh, I married him. I accepted a marriage proposal within, um, I think, three weeks and uh, I met him. My and uh, and I'm, I went to Canada, and I became secluded. I I barely went out. Like the world had been so unkind, but but because of you know they almost murdered me. I thought I can't stay here. There's no way that I can stay here. So so, so where did you meet your husband then? I met him in Tokyo. He was um he was an offshore. He was working in uh, Japan Steel. He didn't know anything about it. I, you know I was a student and I was working on the. He didn't know your background. He didn't know your story. He, he had no. He knew a little bit. He knew that something was off. I was drinking a lot, and I had episodes of trauma, and I had depression. So he knew there was something. But did, did you say know, you were drinking a lot? Did you say you? Oh were, yeah, yeah, that's how I coped. I, mean, uh, I understand. Time, so yeah. you're drinking a lot. So now you you. So he's Canadian. You get to Canada. Are you still married to him? No, we divorced very quickly. The idea of getting married was it to try to help you? I guess, uh, no, he wasn't. I think he really so, um, you know, I think he's so nice. I was, I was, you know, I spoke three languages by then. I was, you know, in the movie industry and, you know, I was, you know, I was supposedly very, very, um, you know, very successful. I mean, I, you know, I was, I was translating movies and he just, you know, he was a young boy. From, he was a boy from Canada, from a small town and, even though he was a, uh, he wasn't an offshore. He was an offshore, but he just saw this exotic, and he thought, "Wow, you know, my." So he marries you. Yeah. He marries you. You're in Canada. Was he a good element in all of this, or did he ever do anything that was a problem? 
I know I'm going to not go much into detail because he's the father of my he's the father of my kids. There was there was things. The the thing is both I think we bonded because both of our fathers were uh, alcoholics. My dad was a raging alcoholic. That's the reason why he died young of a heart attack, and you know. So I think his father too. And and I think we bonded over that. But then we had a very rough marriage. But how many children you know, did you have with him? Two. Um, sure. Basically, I went to Canada. He left me there, and he went work overseas, and he left me in Canada with uh, with base with a uh, baby and a three year old. He just simply. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't a good marriage. It was just, you know, he wasn't happy and, you know, he thought, so he basically just looked at me and said, I can't do this. And he left me in Canada. He went work overseas and I remained with a baby and a three-year-old by myself. Yeah. Wow. I know. So, and that's where, but you know what? Canada was, it was tough, but, but, you know, the, for everything that my marriage wasn't, it, it was having kids was the best thing because I, the moment I marry him, I quit drinking. I was like, I cannot do this ever again because using using my past as an excuse to be a terrible mother, it's awful. I was like, and I wasn't even pregnant. I'm pregnant, but I thought the the notion that that I was going to struggle and give my in my kids it, and history was going to repeat itself because of my history, I couldn't. Norma, how old were are your children today? Twenty three and twenty. Twenty three yeah. and twenty today. Yeah, two boys. Yeah, two boys. Okay, and. Bring us from Canada. How do you get from Canada to the West Coast? Okay, well, before that, the reason why I started running was one of my kids. I became a single mom, and I went back to school, and I, you know, got a business administration. I was working. Um, I was doing great. And then my oldest son, who was 11, started to go blind. And that's when everything just kind of came back. That was probably the moment when... My past and my in my future kind of collided. Because, Interesting. Yeah, because he's eleven. I was eleven when my father died. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's gone blind. The first person to abuse me was my my blind grandfather. So everything just kind of like I was like, this isn't over. This is this is something that I cannot pretend that doesn't exist. I have to address it, but I have to address it positively, because mm-hmm. I had kids. I, my wow. son needed me, mm-hmm. and and this is something. That's why I started running. That's because I couldn't breathe, and I thought, you know what? I'm not going to do what I've done, which is run away. And, and now I'm just going to move forward. And, and I became an activist for um, programs for him because he struggled. There was, he has something that is called Conrad dystrophy. And uh, it was something that was not understood in the school struggle with uh, programs for him. And I, instead of running or moving, I thought, oh, we're staying here and we're fixing and we're asking for help and we are going to demand that, pro- that, that, that he has the, that, you know, he has a life that he deserves because all he wanted, and he's he's actually a visual artist now, which is wonderful, but it was that he just wanted integra- integration. He's like, it's bad, but it's not that bad. It's just my vision. And um, that's why I started running and running races within eight months because I lost my job. I have trouble supporting myself again. And he just kind of felt like, you have to be kidding me. Like, how many times do I have to start over? It was just really, which, which is... It's selfish because, you know, like, well, I wish that on everybody, on somebody else and not me. I mean, it's like, it just is, right? There's things that happen to me. It's not who I am. So that's what I started um, my life as an athlete, um, you know. And and at that point, you're in, you're in, where, where are you located now? I am in Canada. 
I'm in Canada. You're still in Canada when this happens? Yeah, when this happens. I'm still in Canada. And your son is going blind, your oldest son. Yes, yes. And what happened to that? Did he, what happened to that? He's still, he's still um, in plateau. He's not completely blind. He's visually impaired. He has a guide dog. He has the vision of an old man. Um, he's visually impaired and he is legally blind in certain situations. It's something that to do with the con in the rod. So in certain, like in the sun, he's legally blind. He just can't, he's, he's, he absorbs too much light. And so yeah. he has a guide dog for mobility. Certain conditions, um, you know, with certain light, he can see and close okay. by, you know, okay. if you're close so enough. So you started running. Yeah. So you started running. And when you say running, Explain what that means to people. Well, I just, uh, my mom came from Mexico to give me a hand because I lost my job. And um, and I just went out for a 3 a.m. run so they wouldn't hear me crying. That that was, you know, I'm the person that is supposed to come home, you know, to wake up everybody and say we're going to be okay. So I just, you know, all those fears of, you know, like I said, I became secluded and, and didn't go out much or anything like that because of my past. I just, I was always afraid but all of a sudden going out for a run by myself at 3 a.m i wasn't afraid anymore i was like i can't i can't because you can't hide so i just ended up running at 3 4 a.m and this is canada too so i mean we're talking about winters and so all those things and and you know and but the difference between something like that in in drinking was that it didn't impair me it just make me honestly i came home feeling better it's like you know i used to i mean cry and run and come home and I was like, I can do this. It's yeah. not a problem. And that's what it became an outlet to manage the stress of right. everything that was happening to me. But it became a positive outlet. So you grabbed on to that. Okay. I so, did. All right. Let's, uh, let's pause a moment there. We're going to pause for, with our audience here in just a sec here. And what's interesting right at this moment now, let's, let me kind of capsule this for people. So I would almost say, Norma, all the way up to the story now, you've been running away from the problems and running exactly. away from and, and really running away for your life, trying to save yourself in some cases, right? Yes. I mean, yes. and now the metaphor of running is so significant because now instead of running toward the problem, really running toward success. Yes. And that's the difference. Yes. It's amazing the metaphor in the running, running away from the problems and now yeah. running the way you are running. And the journey, I really do, I love the metaphor of that, by the way, is tr- tremendous, tremendous. It and is. It is. And when you talk about what I see next, the journey that you took, and which I'll have you explain when we come back, over 65 days, which I find when, when the audience hears what happened, that you, you ran, you biked, you swam, and this was all for an amazing cause. Uh, and we'll talk about that and talk about this documentary and other things. But this was from Cancun, Mexico people to Washington, D.C. <laughs> wow. Stay right there. This is an incredible Brink story. We'll be back with the story again of Norma Pastitis in just a moment. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. 
created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa. Award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. I'm drowning and I'm reading a, a manual of how to build something very different, very complicated and you ask me the instructions. I'm like, it's really so difficult, you know, because yes. it, it was surviving in Japan. So I have trouble, trouble maneuvering that because of, you know, but this is is a part where I love, where I am. So, yeah. that, and you'll hear her talk right there, friends. We're back with Norma Bastistas, and you hear her talk right there. Now she loves where she. So here's what I really love about this story: <laughs> is now we're going to get into the new Norma and the fact you just hear the voice. I just heard your voice change immediately, Norma. Just as we come back, and you yes. say, "Now this is I love it." I, now you love life, and you love where you're at. Tell us. Let's go back to that 65 uh, day journey there that you have. That can you bring us? Bring me to the air and what happened at that brink. This is kind of a brink moment. It's a big deal. It is a big deal. I I did after uh, you know I I run for many years and um, but my son is now you know at this point he's 20 he's, he's advocating for himself. I have a platform. I've been you know raising awareness and and funds for several organizations that were incredible to my son. Um, you know, and we do a documentary for Oprah that is called uh, Extraordinary Mothers. That brings awareness about who I am in a platform because I was just in my hometown, the mom raising awareness about, you know, uh, visual impairment and blindness. But at this moment, I found the spotlight. Everybody keeps asking me in my phone. My hometown calls me and says, we're going to give you an award. You're an, you know, extraordinary mother with Christina Amanpour and Hillary Clinton. They gave me an award. And that kind of felt a little, I kind of felt like this, I can't do this because I cannot accept an award for being one part of me when they send me, then when I went running away for being the same person that I am looking for opportunities. And, and so I thought I, I can't, unless I do the, I cannot be called brave and courageous until I do the, the hardest thing that, that I, that it is for me, which is acknowledge publicly that I am a survivor of sexual violence and human trafficking. And I thought I would not accept another award until I can do that. And that was difficult to get. And when did you do that, that. Norma? When did you do that? And that was in 2014. I was the first time that I acknowledged, I acknowledged sexual abuse, but the human trafficking was the hardest because people didn't want to talk about it. We're talking prostitution and people were like, no, don't talk about it. And I'm like, I, you know, like you don't want to associate yourself with those people. And I was like, how dare you? That's, I am one of those women. And that's where. I, I really, in order for me to to do to to, and I wouldn't say to to have the right, or but to to do it is I thought I just you know I went back and I thought I'm going to break a record and I'm going to do something that I haven't done. I was running already, and you know I've done seven continents running and I've done very difficult races around the world. And I thought I need something that is new that is just going to break barriers. So I I was looking through records and I came across the the uh, world record for the world longest triathlon. And I couldn't swim. So I remember thinking 26 miles, that's a lot in this ocean. 
and and it was just that but the more i i you know they kept calling me the media say what are you doing next and i said this is what i'm doing for human trafficking and the more they didn't want to cover the news the more determined i came and i thought i'm not you know but the end i thought and to find sponsors and things like that i found an organization that it was already um dealing with uh, raising awareness about human trafficking it's called empathize and i said let's just shatter it let's just not break it let's shatter it so I almost tripled the record. So instead of 26 miles swimming, I did 122 swimming. And it was within 18 months, learned to swim. And I was just, it was a feel, the more, the, the more ignorance that about who victims, who truly, I mean, every single victim, I mean, I'm going to shelters and, 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 and I am dedicating my record to them. And, and I remember like, it was so difficult from, you know, 65 days from Cancun to Washington. I mean, we're talking 122 miles swimming, 2,972 miles, uh, three, 32 miles of cycling, and 735, uh, 755 right? That takes a lot, was, a lot of stamina. It was a lot. But I thought all I could get me is like, I, yeah. I went to the shelters and I, I, I'm not breaking mm-hmm. a promise because mm-hmm. to be a victim, many promises have to, are broken. Norma? You know, you are yeah. a force to be reckoned with, I have to tell you. You really are. So you swam you swam the Gulf of Mexico. I did. Yeah, you swam it, the Gulf I, of Mexico. That's I the only did. way you can get it, love, from Cancun to Washington because uh, yeah. there's a body of water there. But that's the whole idea of but, being a triathlete. You have to do yes, all three. Yeah, you have to I run did. and bike. And, and I know I people who've it. done this just on the case of a basic uh, marathon. You know what I mean? And, uh, the Right. I mean, just to, but, which is a lot of work, but you, but you Nor- were amazing. Yeah, but Norma didn't even know how to swim initially, and she had to learn to swim. Yes, I, I did. Mean, that's just amazing. Wow. I did. Yeah. yeah, and how much did you swim before the 122? It was like a new record for you. Oh, I was. I mean, I couldn't really. And that's how I ended up in Los Angeles. My husband was from the support and he was a, he's a swimmer and he was from this athletic support team and i remember talking to him the first time and in you know trying to get like what do you think and he was just like you can't do it and i was like oh really and i'm like just watch me just watch me and he did he came and 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 you know he was part of the support and and he said it like if we can survive these and you know uh and you can you will prove me wrong and he's like we should get married and we did and that's why i'm in los angeles now he was part of the support team and it was wonderful and it was just such a wonderful change of perceptions of what it is to be mexican a woman a survivor because i mean we used to come to when we came to cancun and and all the key and, and everybody started hearing about the the athlete that was going to break a record they immediately went to my, you know, he was my boyfriend then by Dan, looked at him and was like, wow. And he's like, oh, it's not me. It's her. And then it's like this tiny little thing next to him. And it's like, she's the one breaking the record. I'm not, you know. So it was just wonderful um, changing perception. And that's what it was. It was really to raise awareness of make it visible who we are. We exist. We matter. It is we're worth saving. You know, I didn't have to break a record to raise that awareness, but if I, I would do it again if that's what it takes. Your motto, I read, is absolutely incredible to me. You are not your circumstances. Exactly. Your current situation is where you are, not who you are. It might be a long journey, but if you keep persistent, you will get to the place you deserve to be. That's true. That's yeah. true. I'm not. Yeah, I always tell people how, because people are just like, how do you do it? It's like, I am not. 
human trafficking. It's what happened to me. I'm passionate to think about the young people, Norma, that are caught into this human trafficking slavery business. This is the lowest possible denominator of the human race is what we're talking about here, okay? This is the low bottom feeders of the human race that do this. And they do it for greed and they do it for power and they do it for money and they do it for sex and they do it for all the wrong reasons, but Mm -hmm. but they do it. They're just the same. So as you are now a voice for that, what do you see ahead? What's the goal ahead? What's the plan? Where do we go from here? Well, you know, it's it's about, you know, uh, we need to change the circumstances to lead people to accept that as the norm. You know, we do like that's That wouldn't happen if, if people had a better place to be, uh, to go to, they, they wouldn't be there. And also to change. I mean, I go everywhere and, and it is so simple, so simple. I mean, this crime will surpass drugs and, and arms by 20, 2045. Is you know, that right? It will. It, it, wow. will, it will surpass in terms of... Uh, so are, we headed the, are we headed the wrong way? So talk to me about what you just said by 2045. My question yes. is, are we making a dent at all in this trafficking business or, or, as a people now? Or are we headed the wrong way, Norma? We, we are not. I mean, now with the social media and with the normalization of, you know, and glamorization of, of you know of uh, prostitution and, and, you know, exotic dancers and, and, and the, the massage uh, illegal centers. And, you know, and also the desire for us to have all these cheap products that, you know, quantity that, that they come from, you know, from the, indignified, the, the, the lack of dignity of so many people that, you know, and, and we I hear a lot of people say, well, at least they're not starving. I'm like, how dare you? How dare you think that you are helping somebody, you know, that these kids, they have to work in those sweatshops and all those factories for 18 hours and without bathroom breaks. And you think that you're helping them because, you know, those are the things that I was like, do not, as a consumer, do not, you know, do your research and and make sure that the products and help the companies that, you know, that are not being careful with their supply chain, help them accountable. I mean, the fishing industry, the chocolate is, industry is shameful too. I mean, so what, what is Norma worst, is, so. so what Norma's talking about here, for everybody to break it down, is that the things that we participate and partake with in our lives, many times we don't realize what's behind them all. We don't. Right. We don't realize, you know, what what uh, they you utilize that they're using trafficking, or they're using victims, or they're using slavery, or they're using other things to make that happen for other people. And right. so you're saying, be aware, know what you're doing which is really good advice uh, that I see Norma Um, I want to turn more to uh, in the time we have I want to talk to you more about um, not only the things you're doing here now but let's bring it back to when I talk about the brink of greatness and I talk about the point of impact now the point you had multiple points of impact yourself Norma you had them in Mexico City you had them in Japan you had them in Korea you had them in Canada you see you had Mm -hmm. the, the point of the lowest impact where you finally get to what I call the absurd moment but here's the thing many people get to the absurd moment in their life when they start asking the questions which you you've asked yourself many times why me or how come or what happened or why is this happening Mm -hmm. and what are you doing here as a young girl i'm sure you asked yourself those questions many times um and all the way Mm -hmm. through what i want to know from you is 
when you get to that absurd moment of life, when it seems to be the darkest and things have just not gone right, which you've expressed in this story very well here today to all of us, for you to cross, to, for you to make the leap and to cross over. So what I say, make the leap forward. That's the mantra of the brink of greatness. So to make the leap forward, how did Norma Bastistis do this? How did you? What did you draw down with? What was the power within you? What did you tell yourself? How did you make it forward? Explain to listeners so they can really get something from your story and, and that they can gravitate toward, Norma. How does one listening get through that low chapter of their life to get to the other side? Uh, for me, it was, it was, it was that, that deeply, and uh, no matter the circumstances, understanding that I didn't deserve it. And it was just really looking and I was like, this is not, I mean, I do, it it did not matter what circumstances show me. And, you know, so many times, you know, especially if you end up in the same situation over and over again, believing that I could find a way, it was hard, but I believe in that, you know, it was like, no, this is, this is an understanding that that was, that there was a way out that I was going to find it, that it was long, but that's symbolic of what I do now. I do incredibly long races, Mm -hmm. but I understand that, you know, I didn't focus on mile to mile. It was just like, I will get there eventually. And it is just not quitting. It's just simply understanding you can do it and understanding. And that's what I like. I, I knew it in my being that I could learn to swim and swim 122 miles. And that happened before I was at the ocean. And having that, now I'm using it for the sports, but when I, you're a victim, understanding that no matter how much the blows and the, the, how many times they try to murder me or how many times I was like, understanding, I will succeed. I will keep going and I will eventually escape this. Well, and the only way you could really do that is by convincing yourself completely yes. that you Absolutely. could do that. And, I mean, and that happens in your brain. Like, understand that no matter the... Not, <laughs> didn't matter the, outs, the, uh, the outs, uh, like n- the external situations did not matter. It was a conversation I had in my head that it was, it. you will be okay. You will be so everybody stop. So listen to Norman. Everybody stop what you're doing right now and listen to what Norma is saying. Now, Norma, here's the deal. If you can do, if you've come through what you've come through in the chapters of your life, which are they're not normal, Norma. I got news for you. They're not normal. Yeah. There was nothing normal about your childhood. You know, there was nothing normal about what happened and being caught into this sex trafficking and human trafficking. It wasn't normal. And yet you convinced yourself time and time again that you're better than this, that you can do it. And you know what's interesting to me more so even is that even though history kept repeating itself, because that's what Mm -hmm. happened to you, sadly, you think you get away and then it comes back again. Mm -hmm. You think you get away and you're back again. And you've got to be saying to yourself at some point, like, what the hell is going on here? You know? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. I mean, don't I deserve something better? You know, and you've got to. So where's your faith in all this? This. We, tell me real briefly about your faith. How, where is your faith? I, I think it, it was probably a tough thing too, you know, and I, I think because I think we have it wrong. And I mean, I was raised Catholic and a lot of it was was kind of also used to kind of uh, against me in terms of, you know, if you were Catholic, you won't be in a this situation, right? The fact that I wanted to go out and dance and I even drink, you know, but but understanding really that that was a, that was not the religion that I believed in, that I was not the God that I I would pray and I was raised Catholic. And um, I understood that it wasn't something that God created for me and it wasn't like a plan that he had for me, but it is 
the faith, the understanding that as, as, a, as a Catholic person that I had everything in me to endure these. It is like it, it is like it didn't matter. Like I was strong enough with faith and understanding. It wasn't because it was hard for me to reconcile. It's like he has a plan. And I'm like, who? I mean, how can anybody, how can God love me and have a plan? Like no child should ever go through that. But it wasn't a plan. But it was something that we hear, you know, abuse of, of, of the choices that we're giving us as, 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 as children of God. But it got, but, but because of God and his love, yeah, he made me strong exactly enough that. to say, yeah. I am strong enough and I have everything in me to overcome this. Because you see, Norma, because God gives us all the, 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 the moment yes. to choose, the choice, the, right? Yes. It's about choice. Yes. It's about and choice. He, and yes. he can't control yes. or doesn't control the choice. We have free will. It's called free will. That's right. You know? Exactly. And those yes. people around you, you had people who made bad choices, clearly, and the surroundings and the yeah. environment that impacted your life, right, Ted? Yes, yes. Yeah. That's how it get, went, right? I mean, it's the choices and that free will and all, but... Uh, unbelievable story. Uh, it's it's hard to almost wrap your mind around this, Kevin. I mean, because it it's as I say to her moments ago. It this is not normal. You know, it's not. No, it shouldn't be no. normal for anybody. No, no and, I, and I think I think you can hear in my voice when I get defensive and angry is because exactly. it is not normal and it's not something that should have happened. No, I just think of Norma herself and just her whole mission. You know, really in this this journey of life is really, really to educate and empower, you know, and she's just demonstrating to the world that, you know, her past does not dictate her future. And I just, I'm, I'm amazed at how somebody can overcome all those different challenges. You know, some are choices by others and sometimes we do things ourselves that put us in harm's way. But I just know that, uh, she had that strength and that belief and that faith that, um, the it wasn't the end but just the beginning and mm. uh, she's proven that through these races yeah. where when i read about her races where she says you know the although these races are really really hard she just thinks that you know when the race is under over that's just the end of her difficult trial and that there's people out there dealing with challenges every day yeah, yeah. very much norma it's a Thank you for telling that story in such a way. I hope this is the beginning of many conversations. And you are a, you know, I want you to know today, you are a force to be reckoned with. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You truly are. I love your motto. I love your mantra in life and what you're going after. And you certainly deserve every opportunity now to live just as you just, well, moments ago when we came back into the last segment, you were like a little schoolgirl again. You were truly, truly, <laughs> really, you were, which I yeah. so enjoyed that moment with you. <laughs> I Be do. Oh, oh I love yes. that moment because I could hear the excitement <laughs> and the enthusiasm coming from you. And I just yes. said, oh, there it is. I love that. I love that about I yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, I I could have made a life of just talking mm -hmm. about that, but mm -hmm. that's unfair because yeah. Uh, yeah. the biggest thing about talking about my past is giving hope to people that are about right. to lose it. Because it could have been me, and I'm like, don't give up. It does get better. Don't give up. Yeah, I just want to say, Norma is just one of these people who learns something new and will start. Like, she didn't know how to swim. She learned how to swim and then goes 122 miles. Her next step is really rowing against trafficking. So she's learning to row for the first time, and she's going to go from Monterey to Hawaii. Yeah. 
Yes. I mean, talk about <laughs> wow. Yes. That's truly amazing. Yes. Uh, Thank you. Is Thank this you. and when would you be doing this, Nama? 2020. That's uh, yeah. It's a race that happens every two years, and I'm learning to row. Um, in the in between, because I'm not good at just staying still. Um, February second, I will be going to the Arctic Circle on a 450 mile trek, dragging a sled to raise awareness about women who disappear in the. There's a 450-mile stretch in Canada that is called the Highway of Tears. The yes, uh, indigenous yes, women disappears. Yes. Um, and um, so I'm going to uh, in February 2nd. Incredible. So while I'm rowing and running right now, um, okay. that I will be embarking on a 450-mile trek, uh, self-supported journey. And then I come back and finish my rowing. In 2020, I will be rowing from okay. Monterey, California to Hawaii. Well, we will be keeping. We will wow. be with you. We will be with you along the journey here, and you, you've got Thank you've you. got some new friends here for sure. Okay. Thank you. It's a, uh, it's a privilege. I mean, it's a remember like and and mm-hmm. sometimes to achieve those goals, yeah. you have to go through pain. Pain is Amen. actually a so. choice, and it's a privilege. It's suffering. Yeah. That that's where we try to eliminate, mm-hmm. and that's you know, and that's we you know to be able to mm-hmm. choose to do something hard and. Because I have a choice every time to quit the yeah. race. It, it is not a luxury I had as a child. Sometimes never it's suffering. Quit yeah. Never quit the race. Never quit the race. That's never quit. Never. never quit. That's it. That's yeah. it, Norma. That's exactly right. We can never quit as a people. We can never quit it because it get it gets better, and we have to fight for that to be better, no matter what. Yes. And think about all the people we impact on the journey, Norma. You know. And it, what I'm saying is there, there's a lot of good out there, Norma. The good versus evil, the fight will always go on. You know that. You know that, yes. right? I yes, mean, yes. But, but we're the force of good. We're the force of good in the world, Norma. And that's what we're about. And so we need to be the light, the shines, the biggest. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much more I want to talk to you about. There's so much more that I want to um, connect with you on because you are such a force. And I want that to rub off. You, you're kind of, you're a beacon. You're a... You're, you're somebody you want to hang with, Norma. What do you mean? You're the you're the one you want to hang with. You're the yeah. You're a beacon. You're a beacon of light and a beacon of, beacon of just and, a positiveness. It's and incredible. she's raising money and awareness to help others. It's like that's her mission. Truly, truly amazing. Thank you, thank thank, you both. Thank you. Thank I, you both. I want to tell everybody today as well that uh, let me give you an email address and you can email us your great stories. We are doing so many awesome stories here on the brink of greatness. Talk at AmericaOutloud.com is how you can email us. And we'd love to hear what's going on out there. The Brink of Greatness is all about the, the good of humanity. It's all about shining a light on the positive things and the things that we're doing, the things like Norma Bastistas is doing, the things that can make a difference in the world for all of us. Uh, and friends, I, I implore you to get involved. I implore you to, you know, again, don't run from the problem. Let's run toward the problem and let's change it. Let's change mm-hmm. it. That's what we need to do here, friends. And remember, it, it, it gets interesting. And I, I just let's let's do this together. Let's all do this together and make it. I'm excited, excited for what happens next, and excited for all the things that we can be. Uh, thank you again. Remember, the brink of greatness can only happen when you're willing to push through the boundaries and the limitations that are holding you back. What's holding you back, friends? Remember to take the next leap forward.